0: Okay, what's up, guys? Welcome back to our show. You know, I was thinking the other day that we should have a a a name for our podcast together, like like fireside chat or like some some catchy name for it or whatever. But but because just like I just feel like they're just necessary on a recurring basis, and having a, a stupid name would suit us. Um, anyway, um, I love stupid names. Yeah, I love stupid names, and it could be called something fun fun. Fun, stupid, something. We'll see. Yeah, um, leave
1: a leave a review and your suggestion for yeah. our podcast. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> um, we were Only we, a five star rating. Yeah, it must be a five star rating. Um, we were we were just chatting beforehand. Just and I'm gonna like I'm just gonna talk about my own shit for a sec. But like, if you're listening to this podcast, it's whatever on the 25th, and um, just I've had like a couple really rough nights of sleep. Callie's been sick both nights. Listen, you guys have kids. I'm sure it's like way worse. But like, um, I also am the kind of person where like. Once I like if Callie like like throws up in the middle of the night or something, and then let's let's just say she would go on and sleep just fine. Like I won't like, and I'm I'm just done. Like you know, like I'm perked up. I'm like in a sympathetic state. I'm not like overly freaking out, but like my my senses are sharpened, and I'm it's like clear. Mm -hmm. I can feel. I mean, like. There's a whole host of chemical processes that are happening, and I'm at the point where I feel them happening. Like, I feel my senses getting more alert, my heart rate's speeding up, my body temperature goes up a tiny bit, and I'm like, that's it. Like, even if I try and go back to sleep, like, it's never going to be the same. And so the last two nights, she's, she, thrown up diarrhea, like every like three or four hours. And that's like just long enough where I'm just not sleeping. So it's been like two days in a row. Just like literally have not slept. Uh, last night, went to the animal hospital in the middle of the night. Um, and, and she's going to be okay. We're going to go to the vet today in, in, in like two hours. She's going to be all right. Um, they did some vitals. She's, she's, they, they sent us home and it was like, she's, uh, checked out enough that you guys can wait till the morning and go to your normal vet. Um which, so hopefully she's gonna be fine. And also I've been, whatever, just, I'm gonna just vent. Also I've been, I like fucking wrecked my ankle a year ago at this tournament with my friends in South Carolina playing soccer. And it was just such a fun weekend. Just like really like so fun. Something that I just like brings me a ton of joy in my life to do. Uh, And it was a gnarly injury. And I spent the whole year doing super fucking boring physical therapy fucking plyometric, like jump, jumping patterns and like just shit that I would just never want to do. Time suck away from what I would rather be doing. Um, And that tournament is coming up again this weekend. Uh, And I've been training all year, not necessarily for the goal of doing this, but I just like, I wasn't sure when I was going to ever play again at all. Um, And I started like in the last six weeks to feel like really good. So I started playing in a lower competitive league, which whatever, this is like a good way for me to get back into it. And I've been feeling great. Um, and I played on this Tuesday and I felt great, totally fine. We had a normal game, went home, went to sleep, woke up Wednesday morning. And my Achilles feels like it, someone took a baseball bat to it. And the Mm -hmm. tournament is this weekend. Flights are booked, you know, hotel is booked. And I was just so excited for like the redemption arc of like going back and playing. And I, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to take a more reserved role. So I told my friends, like, I don't want to start. And and I'm just going to like, like, I feel good, but I'm just like, I just want to go. The act of going would be like such a happy Ending to this story. Uh, such a good redemption arc. And now it's Thursday. I'm supposed to get on plane tomorrow. Like, there's just no, there's like, if I go, it's, I have no idea how I'll manage that. I I, I shouldn't go. Um, I'm at the point now where I can, I can't put full weight on it and I'm supposed to play in two days. So it's just like really sad that like, it just really, I'm really, 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 really bummed. Um, this is, I've been looking forward to this so much. And, and you know, there's people, there's like, I'm sure people out there like, oh, you're old, stop playing like competitive you know, contact sports and like, you know, you're doing this to yourself and maybe I'm making up those voices um, and that most people would actually just be quite sympathetic. But I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, uh, I'm not like, okay, like I get it. I know that I take risk when I'm playing a competitive sport at 32, by the way, which is not like I'm fucking a hundred years old. Um, And, I'm not like doing anything wrong. This was just really shit luck. I didn't even like nothing, nothing happened. I just, I played fine, drove home, felt fine. Walked Cali, went to sleep, felt fine. Woke up, fucking baseball bat to my Achilles. And so the point of us talking about this is um, normally I, I find myself to be quite an optimistic person. Like I would very quickly, I think, turn a perspective of like, hey, like I know that what's happening to my Achilles right now is short term. Like I, it's not like I messed something up. Like it's like I strained it in the game maybe. And like in a week from now, I'm gonna be totally fine it's just horrible timing. Um, and I just think, yeah, it's okay for me to be sad, but generally I, I would generally in a shorter time course, because I think, uh, allowing myself to be pissed off and be sad and, 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 um, like be, and sulk maybe like there's a time scale on that that I think is totally normal, probably net healthy. Um, but I'm, I'm, I can tell that I'm not I'm, I'm really like baseline pessimistic and I'm like really kick myself when I'm down and I'm like really like sulk. Like I even posted on Instagram today that I'm like having a rough day and I, and people do that by the way. There's nothing just totally cool to like let your followers in on your life and all that stuff. But like, that's typically not me. It takes me a lot. Like I hate when people feel bad for me or like, um, you know, yeah, I I guess we can just stay with that sentence. Like I hate that anyway. I'm in such a pessimistic mindset and I know, and you, we were talking about it just before we hit record, is because I have not slept in two days and I'm in, incredibly stressed out uh, and have just, again, no sleep. And and I know now after just being 30 years old that that, that there's a direct correlation there, that when I, when I don't get enough sleep, I'm way less likely to be optimistic and that totally impacts everything that I do in my life, my work, my relationship, you know, just overall quality of life. Like, I'm so pessimistic about this. I've been sulking for the last, like, 48 hours without it, one iota of optimism, and this just so not like me, and I know that it is because, like, one good night's sleep, I'd wake up and I'd be like, you know what, it's just, it's okay, like, you're gonna be fine next week, it's shit timing, it's not the end of the world, like, you're still gonna go on and continue to play and enjoy yourself, but that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today, is this is an underrated... Um, indirect, I would say, effect of things like sleep and stress management on, you know, what uh, health uh, in terms of, you know, what, how you eat, how you view, um, you know, your relationship with fitness, how much you enjoy those things. And um, I'll kick it over to you guys. But I think that there's um, such, such an intensely palpable, tangible connection right now between how stressed out I am how not optimistic I am about things and ultimately how I'll go about the rest of my day and my exercise and all of that, my eating. And I'm more likely to cope with food. I'm more likely to skip a workout. I'm less likely to go for a walk and get out in the sunshine and do things I know would feel like I'm less likely to pull myself out of this hole. And 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 there's and I'm, I'm more likely to kick myself when I'm down. I'm more likely to say, fuck it. I'm more likely to do things that like it's just like I'm not in a state of wanting to help myself and I know that like back to back nights of not sleeping has just made me really stressed out and 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 bit more of a spiral it, it's it's just lengthened the time in which it will take me to feel good about anything um and so a lot of people will say things like stress doesn't stress and bad sleep have no direct real direct not no but very 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 little direct impact on on your like energy expenditure caloric intake like it's not actually, someone's like, hey, can I lose sleep? Can I lose weight if I'm stressed out? It's absolutely, like, having higher cortisol doesn't stop you from losing weight. The physiology there is actually kind of ridiculously backwards, but um, does not sleeping well stop you from losing weight? Absolutely not, but being stressed out and not sleeping well makes everything harder indirectly, and indirectly makes it sound not important, but it's so freaking important. Um, and a bottleneck for a lot of people. I'm gonna shut up now and I'm gonna throw it to you guys.
1: <laughs> well, I have a couple of things. Like first, let's not like, you know, you like to diminish like the the kids to pet comparison and everything you just went through is literally what it's gonna be like when you have a 100%, 100%. So,
0: I'm actually,
1: so congratulations, you're pre-logging your, your emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but it is, and I'm super sorry to hear that. That there, There is nothing, this, the fear that comes with illness in, in, and that's not your own is like, I can't even explain like how that feels, and it's true. You feel like this weird sense of like heightened, like waiting for the next thing, waiting for the next barf, waiting for the next like oh man. And let's not even you can't diminish barf. Barf is just barf, no matter what. Right? <laughs> and then I think I actually would love to even tie in injuries and setbacks into this conversation too, because I feel like a lot of us and clients especially, when they have an injury or maybe they need to stop and work on PT, like kind of like what Heidi experienced a year ago. And I think a little bit about when I had, you know, sprained my ankle and I was probably at my strongest, fittest. I was super ready to crush the open. I, it was my year. Right. And then yes, the redemption arc, you're like waiting for this redemption arc. And I still have not had this redemption arc since that injury, not to like say that you're not going to, but I think it's interesting how we can take these setbacks and these things and just really, really hold on to them and how depending on yes, your sleep and your stress and just like where your overall mental health and status can really be like I'm really waiting for a main character moment here (laughs) to finally happen or to come back. And so it just, it is true. I think when we neglect certain parts and aspects of things like, you know, we talk about how, you know, these big rocks and how they're really unsexy to people, but at the same time, they're really the things that make everything sexy, right? Like your whole life is just better when you take care of these things and how we, whether it was college or high school, like it's so cool to like not sleep. Like, oh, I only like did this on three hours of sleep last night, guys. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, how amazing you are. And I know when you're, yes, older, you're like, are you kidding me? Like I would kill to have eight hours of sleep. Like give it to me. I'm willing and then unable to get it, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a recovering insomniac, I can definitely like personally validate everything that, everything you guys are saying. I mean, they, it's, it's like, poor sleep is linked to all kinds of chronic disease you're less resilient to stress you're um you're more emotionally reactive it narrows your window of tolerance um i mean there's i can't i can't remember the exact stats but it's like if you haven't slept more than 6 hours of sleep in like Two weeks or something, you are as impaired as if you're legally drunk. <laughs> like it's, I mean, it has like a very real effect. It's even tied to like marital satisfaction, all kinds of things. So, I mean, it is. To, that's exactly right. I mean, I feel like our society, at large, like, um you know, it's I, I, it's something in our society about it's like you're not you're not allowed to rest. Your productivity is tied to your to your worth or something, and so like who who are you to prioritize self care <laughs> like you know you should you should be grinding 24/7 if you really want to get if you really want to get ahead or get what you want you know but yeah it definitely you're exactly right i mean it is like it is it literally is the lens through which you see your entire life like how recovered you are yeah. um and i mean even if your goals are physical it's like you're not going you're not going to get the same results if you're chronically under recovered <laughs>
0: Yeah. I've just given up on taking, it's almost like one of my like things I've learned is to not take myself seriously until I've had a good night's sleep. Like it, like <laughs> the way I feel is a lie right now. Like I know that there's like, um, I have like uh, the angel and devil on my shoulder and there's like the devil is like me when I've had bad sleep and I just know that he's lying. Like I know that this isn't me. I know that this level of sulking and like irritability and pessimism is just not me. And so I'm just like really like, I just feel like that's something I, I want to like remember to check in with when I'm having moments of like pessimism and feeling not good, uh, just like feeling negative. If I'm in a negative headspace, you know, when you get in, into like the last five things that have come out of your mouth, I've been whining about something. I'm like, wait a sec. Like, that that's probably not reflective of my overall life. That's more reflective of like my own headspace and, and kind of projecting uh, how I'm feeling out into the world and like seeing everything in a negative way. Like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I, I just chuckled at myself at like how negative I was like an hour before this podcast, me and Jenna were talking, and I just was bitching about a bunch of stuff and I just paused and I'm like, there's nothing like necessarily overly different about what's going on. I'm just so negative right now. And like, I know that that's something that happens to me when I don't get a lot of good sleep. And I think that can, that can affect a lot of things. The way I feel about my body, the way I feel about my life, like, man, I mean, things tend to just like fall in place a little bit better with your like health and fitness goals when you're like generally feeling better about everything. And I think that sleep is just like, just uh, uh, not a, I hate using the word bottleneck, but just makes everything better because it makes you feel more optimistic and positive about things. Uh, and I just, I, I'm i trying to like remind myself to like not take myself overly seriously. And I'm like, when I'm trying to make big decisions or if I'm, you know, whatever, just just acknowledging that this isn't the real me right now, that I'm like, I'm in this like like real pessimistic circle right now which which just isn't me and I'm like if I had a couple of good nights sleep I know I'd wake up and I'd have this more like you know I'm very much normally a person who's like I'm I'm going to spend more emotion on trying to figure out what to do than just sitting and sulking and I'm not saying there's never a time to allow yourself to to just feel but I'm my turnaround time for like all right I've felt and I want to do something constructive to Just take one small step forward into feeling better. And for me, that step feels monumental when I've not slept well, and it feels much more attainable when I've slept well,
1: yeah. I think the big takeaway too, for like everyone who's listening, is that if you find yourself always having negative thought patterns or all you do is beat yourself up all the time, maybe take a nap.
0: (laughs) Do do you guys?
1: Like, Like actually pay attention to your sleep. And another one is like the whole stress thing. I think people completely like just blows through the gas like, ah, stress is fine. Like, Oh yeah, I have a high stress life. It's always just going to be this way. I function fine. I get through it. I manage it. It's like, you know, we learned probably what is it, a year ago now or two years ago, like managing your stress doesn't actually just mean that you can live through it or survive through it or muscle through it. It actually means you're trying to literally reduce it to a place where you're not at this like max level of like any, if anything goes wrong, you're going to lose it. I mean, even just this last weekend, we, We had just like a, last week was just really hard. (laughs) And I remember having a conversation with Heidi and I'm like, if there's one more thing that goes wrong, I will literally lose my shit. Like I had no window of tolerance for it. I just could not, I could literally feel it physically, like almost like out of my, up through my neck, like almost into my face. Like, one, like I was literally one bad thing away from having like a total complete meltdown. But how many times do people just live like that? They just live with this like lump in their throat and like, just like white knuckling everything. But like, I'm managing my stress, <laughs> right? It's like manage doesn't mean that like you can live through it. Manage means that it's low, like you're at like a one or a two or a three. So that way you have a way larger tolerance for things to go wrong and things to go right. Kind of to your point about like on an ordinary day, maybe it would have been totally fine. Like you would have been bummed this sucks. You maybe would have even still gone because I'm in a good mood. I don't want, I don't, I want to support these guys. I want to be with my friends. But now it's like, now everything sucks. It's pointless. It's, you know, all over when you find yourself in these things, look at your sleep, look at your stress, like what is happening. Um, and it doesn't mean just like a bubble bath, right? It means actually taking a look at like, what can I do to make my life easier? That might mean more nos or might be more yeses. It just kind of just depends. But I think being an observer of how you physically feel is completely underrated.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's I think one of the biggest skills, just to just to piggyback on that, that what I mean, you're 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 so evolved, Jordan. Like even the way you're talking about, even the way I mean, you know, I'm funning with you. Um, but like even the way you're talking about this, like the way you're observing yourself, like I like I'm not overly buying into how I'm feeling, but you're also not like you're also not beating yourself up or trying like, you know, more so than being You know, negative noticing. Right. But you're not telling yourself that you're stupid for how you feel or you shouldn't feel how you feel like like you're you're validating it instead of justifying it. And I think that's a skill that people um, miss a lot is that is that ability to observe themselves in emotion and support themselves in, in negative emotion. Like most of the, most of the time we just try to get rid of it or change how we feel. Um, But you have to, in order to do that, you have to accept how you feel first. Um, And yeah, like the, the analogy we always kind of use to describe when you're at the end of your rope, just in case you need like a object lesson, (laughs) it's like, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I saw my uncle he was remodeling his house and their house was chaos. And he was under a lot of stress, I'm sure. And he hit his head on the corner of a cupboard in his kitchen and then was so pissed about it. He slammed the cupboard closed and it bounced back and hit him in the face. And I think that is exactly what happens when you hit, when you're not paying attention to how close you are to the edge, and then you hit the edge. One, like Matt said, one more thing went wrong, and then you slam the cupboard closed and do something self-sabotaging that hits you back in the face, and then you feel even worse about yourself, and the cycle continues.
0: Yeah. The the, the type of negativity that I've learned to acknowledge is is the one that, that represents that that something else is going on that's really bothering me that isn't the things that are coming out of my mouth. And, wow. and so J- Jenna and I have tried, I don't know, we're not like fucking marriage experts, but this is something that we've <laughs> tried to talk about. It's like sometimes it's like things, are, things aren't great and you want to talk to your spouse, you want to vent. I mean, we, it's some, talking it out, all good stuff. But there's almost a line where it's like you can sense in the other person because of how well you know them that something else is going on. That this is more of a lens thing. It's not a. It's it's like these are just like normal things that are that are exponentially bothering you, and it's word vomit, and it's all negative, and it's all pessimism. And we've tried really hard to to like the the way to communicate. Hey, you're like basically it's like hey, you're being super duper negative right now. Like, is something else going on, or maybe hey, you're being super duper negative right now. Like, how about we just like pause and, and and we both just take a second to like think about what's really going on, or is there? you know, uh, just take a step back from that really intense emotion. And it's hard to communicate that to your partner. It's hard to be like, Hey, you're, you're being super fucking negative Nancy right now. Like what's going on. Um, and so we, we tried and have had some success with using like a safe word where it, it, it preemptively communicates that in the most compassionate way. So I don't, you don't have to repeat this. Like you're being negative, but I still love you. I'm just trying to be compassionate. sounds like something else is going on. How about we just take five? We just, have a safe word that like, if somebody's saying it's like, Hey, like watermelon or whatever it is. And <laughs> yeah. And, and and that in that moment, it saves us like needing to articulate ourselves in that way of like, Hey, you you've just been bitching about 10 different things and, and it's, it's getting me down and I, and it's not you. And this isn't the normal you and it sounds like maybe something else is going on. How about we just take five, and we come back to it in a second. And that safe word is like really, really helped because it happens to both of us. We're, and it's always when we're going for a walk with Callie where like one of us is motor mouthing and it's all negative and it's downhill and it's one thing's bad, next thing's bad, next thing's bad, next thing bad. And it's, and it's clearly a lens thing. It's clearly like this one thing is going bad and now I'm just fucking, I'm only seeing my life through this and I'm rattling off the negative things because they are the things that are coming to my mind right now. And it's, it's good to vent about them, but sometimes you're also like, hey, like watermelon, you know, like something, <laughs> let's take five, Take a step back. What else is going on? And it's just nice because I was like, sometimes I don't know. Like sometimes it's like, hey, you're being pessimistic or like stop bitching. Like it's just, that's not a great thing to say to somebody in that mindset. And so it's like, can we just like package a preemptive (laughs) compassionate? (laughs) Yeah, can we just like put one word? You know what I mean? I'm coming out of a compassion. Mm -hmm. Let's just take five. And come back, and and that has happened on several occasions where it's worked out really, really well. Um, instead of being like, "Hey, like you're really you're on a roll here," sort of. It's like instead of just being like you're on a fucking train down down to negativity town. It's like just this one word, and then it's take five.
2: Yeah. But it's like validating the bigger issue, right? It's not invalidating that you're upset, but like, Hey, I care about what's real, you know, it's a lot of the times frustration and anger, are secondary emotion, because you'd rather not feel the thing underneath, you know?
1: Yeah. It's amazing though. Like, I think, you know, you can learn a lot kind of like what's unboxing, even in this negativity. And so I think maybe we are total advocates for like these kind of like negative brain brain dumps or whatever. It's like, you need like an underlying issue decoder ring a little bit to like get to it. But I mean, the other day, like I was having issues, I was super frustrated with an individual. I was, I was totally venting to Heidi, like, not so I could. I think I could just not stop. It was like never. It was like, man. I look back, I mean, this is all me with one leg out of her car, out of CrossFit, we're running late, it's raining, raining, how to get the kids going, but I'm like, let me just tell you, blah, 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 and like, she just looked at me with this face, and she's like, what it really is, is probably this, and it's true, because sometimes you just don't want to hear it, but a lot of times, it's not the thing that you're complaining about, it's all the things.
0: Not all of us have a Heidi in our lives, who's like, yep, actually, it's this Mm -hmm. right now, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, shameless plug. Join our program. Yeah. She can decode you all she wants, Fact. but it's like what it—it's yeah. interesting in what Physician, I Physician, heal myself. Yeah, well, like. I noticed is that a lot of times it's like, they are things that are like really things that we're not noticing and these patterns. And it's ironic how like predictable we are because the thing that was annoying me was the same thing that was happening in like five other ways, right? Like five other variations of that same exact problem were all happening at the same time in my life and then my own, right? But yes, there was a breaking point. Like I was like, gonna I was basically (laughs) tears and I couldn't even talk anymore. Like it was like so bubbled up. And then sometimes it just has to spill over, and you have like a little bit of a reset
0: button. So sometimes, Jordan, maybe you just have to be negative to get it all out of your system. Yeah, it's You're definitely. Happy you are. Totally, mm-hmm. no. There's definitely a. I'm 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 definitely not an advocate of of just holding it all inside. I think that there's just like a healthy balance of. I mean, there there has to be an arc that if if the goal is to end feeling good, then there there's got to be a point in which the downward spiral turns upward, and you start like, you know maybe taking action or, or just start to change your mindset. And I think that's totally, there's a healthy amount of vent and just letting it out and feeling it. Yes. I'm not against any of that. You should totally do all of that. There is a line in which you've, oh, for sure. there's okay. a point, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. because at the, at the same time, there's a point where it just becomes petty. Yeah. You know, just to call it what it is. Like, you petty, petty, <laughs> and then also just like not really helpful, right? right? Like, just kind of keep complaining. And we all, bless their hearts, we all know somebody who is like always negative. Yes. Like you, even when you, try your darndest to make them smile. There's still something wrong with something, mm-hmm. still a complaint, still a whatever. And then part of you is like, just get more sleep or manage your stress better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you I think of that. It
1: it's like all of this is in the journey and road to self-awareness, right? It's like, how what can we take from these negative experiences to learn a little bit more about whether it's self-compassion or care or just what is really going on with you? Yeah,
2: right? putting yourself in context. I mean, that is like, that you did such a beautiful job of that, describing um, you know, being up with Kelly and being tired and the disappointment of your injury and all of those kinds of things. Like, instead of just like, instead of just staying super zoomed into the present moment and being like, no, it's not that. It's that this person's being annoying or that, you know, my Starbucks is late or whatever it is. Like putting yourself in context and then all of a sudden you can, you have more access to, um, to self-compassion, which I think is, for me at least, it's definitely one of the, biggest turning when you're talking about that curve of like how to get back to it's that's a big one for me is uh I'm really I was mostly self-pity for most of my life but changing to actual self-compassion where you are doing you are taking the steps to actually like help yourself feel better and addressing like the real the real issues right instead of just saying well I guess you don't have to do anything hard and hide from the world you know
0: yes I agree do we want to do we want to? Do we want to keep keep talking about this? I, I think I think it might be constructive to talk about maybe what are some things that we do when we are feeling that way that like maybe help. And I think I think looking at at sleep and and is a huge one. I think if we're if we're looking at like the number one, you not like in tongue in cheek was like not it's not a bubble bath like which I love that comment because it could be a bubble bath by the way. I know you're not saying that that's impossible to be helpful, of course. It is, but but I think that there's there's that's like a classic like uh, Image well, of what it should look right? like. Right. So
1: it's like, it's a massage, it's a bubble bath. Sure. It's like, it's
0: like and it can coffee. be whatever you want, but you're I do right. think like, people need normal, to look at sleep. So also, first.
1: some people don't have the time to like light a bunch of candles True. and like draw a bath, right? Especially yeah. if you're out. Yeah. So I mean, it's, just, it's like more of like, you don't have to reduce your self care to just those things because I think sometimes you're like, well, I don't have time for that. It's like, okay, well, yeah. what do you have time for?
0: I, I think this number, I mean, I guess the only thing I could say because the laundry list of things that can be conceived as self-care is forever long. But the number one thing I think would be to get adequate amount of sleep. Like you'd be surprised how much more optimistic and like resilient, I think Heidi said resilient against uh, stressful situations that you become when you get more sleep. And so that to me is like, God, if I'm feeling down about stuff, I'm feeling negative, I'm feeling stressed out, like that is the number one thing I can do to kind of set myself up to take action to kind of relieve some of that stress for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then obviously we could just like whatever... I think, I think a lot of people have like, uh, you know, I think we're all in agreement that you should be doing things for yourself, right? There should be something you do, like, you know, a lot. I mean, both of us work primarily with women. There's a huge, uh, you know, caretaker psychology of like, I put myself last. And so we talk a lot about, you know, oxygen mask on first and, you know, taking care of you so you can take care of them. And there's, so a lot of, listen, that, that we, we and a lot of other people have beat that to, to death. But sometimes the, like the do th- things for yourself, it, it's always like an activity that's like working out or like something stressful. I think if you I think everyone should be able to list something they do that that is parasympathetic, which literally you know brings brings your blood pressure down, brings your heart rate down, like um, involves some form of like breathing. Like doesn't need to be fucking like thirty minute woo saw meditation or a bubble bath, or but it's got to be something that you do that like is an, is actively relaxing. I know it's a like, kind of. Uh, an oxymoron there, but it's like something you're doing on purpose because it relaxes you. The hike in the woods, a walk in the nature, sitting out in the sun for five minutes, reading a book, listening to a podcast, headphones, whatever it is. So I think that those are, sleep I would put at the top of that list, but I think that there's also like, I ask that question in my check-in every now and again. It's like, what's something you do on purpose for yourself because it's relaxing and you can't say working out?
1: Yeah. And also like with no judgment, like you're like, you. how many people are like, oh, oh, it's like a waste of time or like, it's not, you know, oh, don't, you know, but like they don't want to admit what they actually enjoy doing or whatever. And it's like, I've always loved that quote, like, you know, time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. And there was a, I need to figure out what his name is, but my brother sent me a YouTube short this morning about the concept and context of wasting time, right? And the only reason why you would believe that something is a waste of time is because you actually feel like you're not valuable. If you feel like you're valuable, then what you do is not a waste of your time. And I think that's an interesting concept kind of to tie into all this too, with like, if you don't think you're worthy of having really good sleep, like sleep is like healthy thought currency, right? If you think you're going to buy yourself like the opportunity to have clearer thoughts, you know, better judgment, like less like less reactive and things like that. Like if you feel like you're a person of value or a worthwhile person, you will take care of yourself as if you believed one, right? Like anything we have that's of value, we're going to take care of it, right? Like, but if you feel like you're trash and you're, you are you constantly using your negative thoughts against you and you know, like the one, one line we love is like, I wonder why you're so unmotivated when you trash talk yourself all the time. It's like your trash talking is actually not inspirational and motivational, right? It actually confirms the fact that you think that you're worthless, right? So then the value of like, getting yourself well rested or taking care, or if you don't even really love yourself. So why would self-love and self-care be a priority for you? It's like, if you are a person of value, you will treat yourself as such. And that includes stress and self-care and all these things. And yes, maybe it's filling up your bathtub because you're worth it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I second everything you guys have said. And I think it's interesting about your like oxygen mask comments like I still feel like while the analogy might have lost some of its tarnished it was kind of tarnished or whatever like the principle still like has not been embraced by so many so many 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 women to the point where it's like like you might not even know you're out of breath or you might not even give yourself permission to even notice that you're out of breath before you you know trying to put on the oxygen mask on other people but um absolutely like if you are not the opposite of i mean how do i even how do i even come at this so there's a series Brene. there's a part of Brene brown one of her lectures i think it's on audible where she's talking about um this researcher who like a he researches play and he got into it because he first started researching first um like a Lone, lone wolf shooters, like the guy that um, went to the campus in the 60s, like the camp, they, Texas A&M and those kinds of things. And he studied their lives to figure out why why they ended up where they did. And he found out that with most of them, they had super restrictive childhoods where they were not allowed to play. And so then that like led him on this other rabbit hole to realizing like how, how good play is for you. The opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression and play means something that you're doing. Like Nat was talking about, you're doing it just because you like it. It has no other purpose. It's not productive. It's just being present and in the moment. And you know, your point about when I'm not feeling, when I'm not feeling great. And I notice like, like, Sleep is one of the reasons like taking, I I totally agree with that. And I think what helps, helps bring me back to center or regulate is almost always something physical like that, like getting sleep or, um, getting outside or you know sometimes i'll just like stand in my backyard and feel the sun on my face or like take my shoes off and put my feet on the grass like it's something to get you out of your head and into your body like more connected to yourself um so that you can like you were talking about like bring your like you feel regulated you enjoy what you're doing and if you don't make if if you don't make it a priority especially if you're a person that does a lot of caretaking if you don't if you don't set aside that time, it's never going to be there. Um, but I think about all the dimensional ramifications of somebody putting boundaries around something in their day that they like to do. You Like that's going to create a, a total ripple effect. If you're, a, if you allow yourself the time and space and it doesn't have to like, Self-care doesn't have to take hours. It can take five minutes. Like, honestly, like start with five minutes of something that you just enjoy to do. And if you that is the only requirement for self-care is like, ideally it's something that connects you with your body and it's something you enjoy doing.
0: How do you guys do this? Hold on, how do you guys do, how do you guys do this with, with kids? How do you guys do this? Is it like, I'm a genuine, there's like a marriage parent discussion here because I think about this all the time about like the resent, you know, the resent of needing to pick up my kids when I want to be doing X or needing the, like, I'm not anticipating that being how I'm feeling all the time, but I, I have, I love my life right now. It's amazing. And I will have to change that in order to, you know, take care of my children, whatever. Um, all, all good, all very happy things. But there's, there's, there's the risk of an underlying resent that builds if you don't take care of yourself and you end up realizing that it's because you're taking care of everyone else. And then that makes that act, Not as positive, not as enjoyable because you know it's now has like a negative undertone to it. Like, what what the hell? How do you guys find time to do that? What's stuff that you guys do? And and, go ahead. Sorry,
1: it's interesting because it's like first you have to have this belief that you're actually a person that was worth taking time for, right? And Heidi and I didn't learn this till I, for me, it wasn't until I started counting macros that I actually cared about what I thought and what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Everything else was being burnt down at the expense of everyone else because a good parent or a good mother or a good wife is selfless. We do everything for everybody to make their lives better and easier. But at the same time, there's also a little bit of like a, um, but I, by also by doing all those things, I can also avoid how I feel, avoid what I need, avoid myself and pretend like I don't really matter. So then therefore I don't have to judge myself for like gaining weight or, you know, not showering or like, well, I did this, you know, like I did this for them. So I, you know, it's weird how you get these like parental wife, or whatever your relationships are like checklist of like all these things that I do for all these other people to, to make myself feel valuable to them in reality. Like, do I even value myself and my time and my worth? Right. Because yes, like if you don't care about yourself, I can see why like doing these things seem so stupid and fluffy or like, Oh, that's for someone who has time. That's <laughs> not for somebody who actually like cares about their family. Right. Only, you know, like the judgments of like women, I mean, it knows no bounds. Right. And so When we started counting macros, like now almost eight years ago, it was like I had to ask myself, what did I want to eat? Because I could eat whatever I wanted. It wasn't like a rule that someone else gave me or a checklist. It was like, what do you want? And then it's like, well, what are your goals? Like, what do you care about? Like, and then really what it came down to was carving ourselves out time for the things that were important to us at that moment, right? And that was going to the gym, right? Or exercising. And when you start kind of advocating for yourself slowly and and maybe you're not even realizing you're doing it or putting yourself first or saying no, like there are a couple of things that we've, we say no to for our kids in order to go do certain things, right? Like for us to wake up, I mean, yes, we've had to wake up earlier to like be able to like come back and do the school routine, but my kids also know that that's important to me. And so it's about... What you don't realize at the time is that you're giving them an example to show self advocacy for themselves. Do, like, not to cut you off, on, do
0: you do you communicate that to them? Do they know yes. that if mommy doesn't do this, mommy cuts everyone's head off, or is this like a?
1: It's it's, it's not like a re, uh, like an action that causes a reaction. It's more that like I get to say yes to this for myself, which means like I mean. You will see when you have kids that a lot of times they will do like they will do everything you say because that's what they think that you should, they should do. But like having an opinion is also word, right? Like boundaries, creating boundaries for yourself also models them for your kids. But do they know? So do they think-
0: know that doing this that 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 this is important to you and and that do they respect that? Like is their brain? like I think of the child not being even able to comprehend and that, not that they need to necessarily, but I'm curious. So you guys communicate to that. Hey, like mom, mommy, you know, I know you don't want, you want mommy to make you breakfast, but like mom's at the gym because it's really important to me. And it's like, it's just something that mom's got to do, you know?
1: Well, it's like, it's twofold, right? Cause you have the boundary that you're, you're showing as an example, but you're also allowing them to be um, independent yeah, as well. True, I mean, like they, if they can feed themselves and they can get themselves breakfast then they probably should. Right. Cause there's yeah, going yeah, yeah. like, I mean, I just have two quick examples and then Heidi, obviously like, Please, but like, you know, I remember uh we were at church and some some classes give out treats and some classes don't. And my son at the time had gotten like two humongous cookies. And nobody else in the car had gotten any any dessert or any cookies. And everyone was like, Oh, Baz has cookies, Baz has cookies. And I'm like, Baz, will you share? You know, like you have enough to like break up and share. He's like, No. And I remember thinking, like, what? He's like, I don't want to share them. And I remember like at first I was like, it took me a sec. because I'm like, oh no, we're a family that shares. And then at the same time, I'm like, Those are his, he doesn't actually have to share them like, but we've created this culture where we're required to like give up everything for everyone else because, oh, they don't have a cookie. So you should just totally give them out. Even if you really, if you really want these cookies, you should be able to be like, I don't want to share them. And then you shouldn't be required to. Right. So that was one example that taught me like a boundary that I'm like, oh yeah, you can actually say no. Right. And then the other one I forgot.
2: I that might be one of the most representative parenting moments we've had in the that world.
0: says it all that says it all right there um
2: no i mean it's a it's a great question i mean i like nat didn't come to a lot of this um understanding until after my kids were a bit older um i think I, I wish I had, I think it would have been, I think it would have been obviously really helpful. Um, but I feel like, uh, you know, right now I would say probably the 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 biggest boundary, I, I don't know if you call it boundary really necessarily, but the, the biggest talking point I think I have with my kids is me having to go kind of go to bed early so that I can get up early. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. This is and that's big like, <laughs> it's like when my teenagers get like, like all of a sudden they like want to hang out and. And oh, are yeah, super fun. Like, you, yeah. you
1: become the most interesting person in the world to your children, right? Like right when it's bedtime, like all of a sudden they're just fascinated by your every word. That's
0: so awesome. True. That's hysterical. It's,
2: it's so true. So that, that's probably like, that's probably the toughest part right now, but, um, yeah, like, like Matt said, like I do, um, I think it is an important, I, I like that. I set that example for my kids that I carve at that time or that I, that I, you know, like our, both of our sons are in football and want to know, you know, all about like getting, getting, jacked. getting jacked. jacked and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's setting an example that like, if, if you, if you're going to do this, like you've got to take your recovery seriously and all that kind of thing. And like, you know, the eating habits and all of that kind of stuff. But as far as like the, the self-regulation piece, I mean, I think probably probably I mean, I don't know if this is exactly answering your question, but I would say probably the biggest learning curve has obviously been been Maddie. She's the she's my youngest with autism. Um, and and learning that, you know, because you you as a special needs parent, I mean, they there's no shortage of books and advice and um trainings and whatever that you have to go through. But I would say probably the most pivotal difference for me has been. Um, And I can even illustrate the example of like, it was a specific moment when I was picking up Maddie from school and putting her in the car. And between the time she got in the car to where she sat down, something happened and she started freaking out. And immediately I went into like, fix it mode. Like, what happened? Did she drop something? Did she spill something? Did something get on her? Did she need something? Like, I'm instantly like, as Upset as she is without realizing it, I'm as anxious as she is trying to fix the problem. Meanwhile, her aide was just sitting really calmly on the sideboard of the car and like. Oh, Maddie, like, we're here to help you. If you can use your language, like, um, you know, you're, you're all right. You're safe, whatever. Like that, that kind of tone, right. It doesn't even matter what she was saying. The point is she was staying regulated and calm, which is really what our, what our kids need. Um, they don't need you to throw like the grandest birthday party of all time or be at their, you know, be at their beck and call 24 seven, even the most attentive parents, like we, nobody can fill the wants and needs of another person all the time without cessation. <laughs> so really taking care of like your, your point about the oxygen mask. I mean, it is a, a great representation of what it really takes. Like you've got to calm yourself down to help other people stay calm. Um, and if you don't, of course, there's always the ability to go back and talk about it and repair it and whatever, but really like, you can only give what you have right so finding ways to like um and even in like the example with maddie it's like if i were out in public and she's freaking out and i'm trying to st- i'm trying to pointedly keep myself calm even though i might have a lot going on inside of me like then later being like hey how, how, how was that like circling back and being like, what do I, what do I need to like, do I need a good cry? Do I need to go to bed early? Those kinds of things. Just, you know, Matt just mentioned this all started when we counted macros. And I, w- I would say the same thing for me. It's like, it was the first time that I really also paid attention to like my wants and needs and my behavior and in that kind of daily sort of context not just this big like you know you really should be better at everything so and to answer your question about like how you kind of set that
1: up with the people in your life whether it's like your partner or your children or whatever it's important what's important to you is also comes with honoring what's important to them right and so if i can say like hey mom's gonna go take a nap right now i'll see you guys at 3 30 or whatever They're all good with it. Right. It's it's more about like if, you know, everyone has things that they like to do. Right. When my kids get home from school, they love to play Roblox or zone out or whatever. It's like our house. I mean, we're also a house of anxious introverts with anxiety and ADHD. So part of it is like everyone requires downtime. And so I think just explaining like, look, we all have ways that we like to spend our time. And so I don't need to apologize to them if I'm going to go and watch Korean dramas for an hour. Like they know what I'm doing. I'm like, mom needs downtime. You know, like they all know that we're better when we get to advocate for ourselves for the things we need and the times we need. And so Mm -hmm. if you get really good at expressing the reason why you need things or the reason why you want things, it supports itself supportive to you and self-supportive to the environment that they're in. Right. It's like no different than you're like, Hey, I got a call right now. Nobody bug me. It's not a diss to them. It's not neglect or anything. It's more just like, this is something that I have to do right now. And the same thing goes for, you know, yes, like a highest point, like our Kids luckily, um, we started this early enough that our kids have grown up with a culture of exercise and really embracing your body and and what it is and making sure you're eating enough and protein and things <laughs> like that. And so I feel really fortunate that we were able to have that narrative while they were very young. Especially so, for our girls. Especially yeah. for our girls. And so it's been really cool because they just like now it's more like, what did you deadlift today? then it is like, oh gosh, you weren't here to like make me breakfast. Right. And so it's just cr- Uh, allowing, proving and like showing that like what the things that are important to you and the reason why they benefit your life also gives them a little bit of a buy-in into what you're doing too. And so it's, it really becomes a kind of a beautiful, self-supportive, self-care environment in your home that you can curate with your, the people in it who, who live there, right? Just because when you do that, everyone's happier, right? Like everyone just feels like they can be themselves. They can say no. They can say yes. They can take time. They can be like, leave me alone, and like nobody gets offended. It's just it's kind of like a microcosm for life, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine boundaries.
0: I think so, I, 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 th- I think I have an image of a beautiful experience, and in so in in creating that that uh, image in my head, there's like a counter of that not happening that that looms as well, and it's like this like my kid being young and them actually being able to conceptualize that this is important time for daddy and mommy or whatever, and that 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 that, that makes them happy that we do something for ourselves. And that yes. I know is an abstract concept that's like not, a, you know, I mean, I, I'm not holding my kids like three years old. So you got to be able to put that together. But I'm just saying like the, I, maybe I'm projecting because there's like an important, part in my life that I didn't come to that conclusion until very late and my parents got divorced and I was 13 years old and super rebellious but like at some point I realized oh my god dear god I I wish you guys had done this years earlier for yourselves because you, you guys just were so like are so much happier now and um and I just I think of that in myself where I'm like I was a kid and my world was just me, and and everything revolved around me, and uh, it just, it's a really, this idea that, like, my kid at a young age would, would maybe he's just not fully understanding, but acknowledging that, like, this is good for daddy, he's, you know, and he's gonna go, you know, he's got he works out and takes time for himself, and that they're happy that I'm doing something that makes me happy, God, that would make me, I would, could bring me to tears how awesome that would be, I would, I want my kids to be the kind of person who, who recognizes that, and... And just, I don't know, I, I, maybe I'm and they, projecting. And they will
1: because you'll teach it for them and you'll model it for them, But right? they won't but always know.
0: And I don't want to hold them well, to such a high well, standard right, that well, they have to realize them, this right I away, mean, you know? like right,
1: we're selfish individuals. Yeah.
0: Until,
1: I mean, currently also, right? But at the same time, it's like, but it's, I think what the parenting part of it is, is also knowing that what brings you joy and time might, uh, might not be the same for them. And that's part of it too. True. right? Cause sometimes parents can project like, Oh, well you should love fitness. I love fitness. Right. Like I remember we got this DM from this lady who was so upset because their youngest didn't want to do sports and didn't wasn't a member of the whole family. Yeah. It was this fitness family. And like, she was just like so upset because her youngest one had no interest in being an athlete. And how do I convince them to be an athlete? Like my husband is, I am my older two are. And it's like, What if they just want to do something different? What if they don't want to play sports? That's also okay, right? So it's like, By you showing like, I want you to make sure that you're doing something you love. If you want to sit in there and draw for an hour, like your, your love is art. Go for it. Right. My love is, is going downstairs and exercising, like allowing them to like explore what brings them joy is also why like some of us don't really like bubble baths, but some of us really do. Mm. Some of us don't like massages. Some of us really do. And it's not the judgment of the action. Kind of like what Heidi was saying. It's like, it's a completely neutral thing, right? Like.
2: Well, it's really, it's so overwhelming for me anyways, it's so overwhelming to have kids and I didn't have a strong sense of self. So I think I just completely lost myself in having kids without realizing it though. I think I created an environment where I couldn't be happy unless they were happy, um, which is a lot of pressure and stress and be feel smothering and whatever. And, but when you take steps to, for your own self-care then you have a better window of tolerance to support them when they're dysregulated. And it also just like, I don't know, I feel like for me, it just, it definitely kept from that. I don't know what you call that like a meshment or what, but it's like, like there's just a little bit of gap where they, you know, I don't need them to be a certain way in order for me to be happy.
0: Yeah. And, and not to swing so far in the other direction too. Like there's something beautiful about like, like, nothing makes me happier than when Callie's like running around, freeze a bird, <laughs> having a great time. So this is like totally good for that to also be a sense of happiness. And Nat, you said something about like, like the lady who was like, oh, I want my kids to be into fitness. I'm into fitness. We are all into fitness or athletes or whatever. Like I always laugh. Cause you know, Jenna and I have, have a decent amount of overlap, but also a ton of differences. But like, if you just look at us from 3000 feet, you're like, Oh, they both lift and they're both healthy or something, you know? And like their kid, they're both play soccer and their kids going to do all those things. And I, that'd be great, by the way, my kid, I have a dream of the three of us at a soccer game or the four of us or 10 of us as Jenna would have it, um, uh, at, at a soccer game or watching my kid play with like cute little shin guards and like the shorts that like if when they have the socks and the shorts, you can't even see their kneecaps. Cause they're like, oh, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> like I, that'd be great, but, but I don't one, I'm not. I don't want to, obviously I don't want to be like totally pressuring them at two, but I, what I've learned about myself in like whatever as i've been come, become older is i have a, an addictive personality and regardless of what the topic is or the activity or the hobby the act of knowing more about it and learning the nuances and the ins and outs i'm obsessed with regardless of the medium and so i like i told Jenna, I was like, i don't give a shit what our kid does i'm going to be obsessed with it like if our kid is yes. like like my dad is like a big birder he's like big into birding and like i i yeah, I'm into birding now because it's just like you know something that we can do together and just learning more about it, or like um, it's just whatever. Like if it's chess or if it's fucking the environment or whatever my kids totally. into, I'm gonna I'm gonna be obsessed with it because for me, like the act of learning more, just independent of the actual topic, becomes very very fun. And so I told Jen, I was like, I hope like I hope I hope our kid is into something. One of our kids into something that's slightly out of the mainstream, so that we get to be the the really like we have an opportunity to really come through here and like be yeah. like our kids into like I don't know Hold
2: I have on. what yeah, yeah. whatever yeah. The,
0: the interior design and then maybe like great I can't wait to be like super hyped up about it um, for them <laughs> but whatever Just, I have such an addictive wow. personality I realize it's like it's totally non specific to the to the topic whatsoever I've gotten so into so many different things in at, at my life that I'm realizing it has nothing to do with like what the thing is at this point. It's like mentally like getting off to like learning more about like, hey, Dude, all right. the dopamine. ADHD,
2: Reddit threads. ADHD people are addicted to Yeah, learning. Reddit
0: threads and podcasts about yeah. stuff that I'm just so like, I in. Jenna will be like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm on a, nine different red, like subreddits about this obscure <laughs> topic that like I don't need to be looking up at this point. And so whatever, just like joking about that. Like I, I'm like, I hope our kids a little bit out of the mainstream so we get to like, come through with like a, Hey, we're, we're, we're down with this. Like whatever weird shit you're into is like, Oh, we're, we're, I'm down with it.
1: Dude. I'm so I excited that. for you. have kids. I can't wait. And not to, and for the record, not, I'm not saying this. Like I know everything by the way, just to, to cap with the parenting, you might oh, be listening and thinking like yeah. Natalie doesn't even know what she's talking about. Every kid should do this or that, or this is the way it. but for what's happening in our house, which is unique to you is the whole arc of like sleep and stress and just finding mm-hmm. things that are feel true to you and honoring you and honoring your negativity and honoring your positivity. Just, Do you, do you, you, do you.
2: Yep.
0: Yep. Cool. I'll
2: wait to send, to find you a little tiny baby set of shin guards. Baby, please, baby, please.
0: I'll at least get to throw him in before he's autonomous. Like before he's autonomous, I'll make sure he gets in the uniform at least once or she. (laughs) just like before you have an actual say in this like let me just get this oh, picture well, once then- let me just get <laughs>
1: this picture well, yeah. yes. totally and you know yeah. what they in genetic wise they will probably love soccer maybe you know yeah I
0: mean? maybe yeah but or at but least one, yeah. Out
1: of, one out of six will.
0: totally yeah. absolutely we'll give the rest away and then so no i'm just kidding jokes <laughs> jokes all, <laughs> all right, right gang um anything we want to close with i think that that i love I, i'm obsessed with the like the familial discussions cuz i just think that there's like so much opportunity for people to like realize another uh it's an opportunity for people to like reframe what fi- the point of fitness is it's like if you haven't tapped into like how it can affect those around you and your kids and, and it being something that's way more about just like looking a certain way like that's ah uh, just feels more and more tangible by the day
2: okay? totally awesome,
1: awesome. Oh, so
0: good amen thanks for tuning in to this episode of where optimal meets practical if you liked the episode it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on itunes That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at JordanLipsFitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.